0: Well, good afternoon, everybody, uh, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And uh, on behalf of Christians in Parliament, it's a pleasure to offer a very warm welcome to our carol service this lunchtime. And it's good to see so many people here. And we're delighted to welcome Amy Orr-Ewing as our guest speaker. Amy is Director of Programs for the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics. She is the author of several books on the truth and relevance of the Christian faith to our l- lives today, and speaks at churches and conferences all over the world. Amy, did you know how important and famous you are? (laughs) Very impressive. The service will proceed without further direction, so please stand for the carols, sit for the readings, and for the solo pieces. And as we begin, let's just quieten ourselves and pray together. Almighty God, our Father, what a privilege to be here in this place this day. Thank you for the freedom to gather To worship you. And we pray today and this Christmas that we would delight to hear again the message of the angels. And in our hearts and minds, go to Bethlehem with the angels and the wise men to understand the things that happened there. And together with them, worship the Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And at this time, especially, we pray also for the needs of the whole world, for peace on earth and goodwill among all its people, for wisdom for those in authority, to govern with justice, truth, and peace. In the name of Christ. Amen. 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 Would you please stand to sing our first carol?
1: This reading is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus.
2: The second reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told.
4: reading is from Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, for in the future he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people, walking in darkness, have seen a great Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For us, to, to us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counsellor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government
5: Well good afternoon. For a number of years um, my husband and I lived in Peckham. He was the priest of the parish there and on one occasion uh, a group of women from the community had gathered together to celebrate the arrival of a much longed for baby. On that occasion it was quite near Christmas and one of them turned to me and said you know what would have happened if There had been three wise women instead of three wise men. I said no. She said well they would have asked for directions firstly. Secondly they would have arrived on time. They probably would have helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a hot meal and finally brought three practical gifts. (laughs) We're going to spend a few moments together reflecting on what Christmas is really about. You see, in this story that we've heard, read from multiple perspectives, we're being shown something about reality. We're not actually being asked to make a leap into the dark, to believe in a God. He is showing us that He is real. He is inviting us to encounter Him personally. And He gives us signs of that reality real evidences that this is not a delusion, this is not a fantasy, but that he is in fact real. The first sign you might have noticed um, as we were reading is the sign of prophecy in history, that God would come as a baby born to a virgin in a very specific place. Hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah wrote this. The Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. A virgin will have a baby who will be God with us. 700 years before Jesus was born. This claim is that the intelligence that brought the designed universe around us into existence, the being who created the space-time continuum, is now going to enter space and time, enter history as a human being born of a woman. The prophet, the prophet Isaiah predicted that this would happen and that this would be a sign to us. The prophet Micah prophesied You, Bethlehem, Epaphratha, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Again, hundreds of years before it happened, the birth of the eternal God as a human being in Bethlehem is predicted. It's as if God is giving us clear signs in history for people who might need to know that this is real, that we're not being duped in some way. God's coming is real and historical and this is not a case of wish fulfilment. I would like it to be true and so I just project my belief. Now as human beings um, we can struggle with um, facing facts and embrace delusion I have three children, and my youngest is now nine. But when I heard this story about a six-year-old, it made me smile. The story is told of a six-year-old who went to her mother and said, Mummy, how did I come to be born? The mother was not ready to have that conversation. So she said, well, darling, a stork brought you, a big fat bird, flew over our back garden and dropped you into it. I opened the back door and picked you up in a blanket. The girl looked a little bit worried. She said, Mummy, how did you come to be born? The woman didn't know how to stop digging, so she said, it's a similar story, but this time it was Granny, and I was in the, bu- in the, in the blanket in the stork's beak, and Granny took me in. Don't worry about it, that's just how it happens in our family, darling. The next day, the girl went back to school. She was doing a project on birth at school, and she wrote in her project, there hasn't been a natural birth in our family for three generations. <laughs> Sometimes people imagine that, Chris, that Christian faith and the Christmas story in particular is a kind of sugar-coating denial of reality. But Jesus' life as God coming in human history is real and historical. It is not wish fulfilment. Not a case of I wish this were true. You see, Luke in his gospel locates this story in the era of a specific Roman governor's particular census. In other words, it's important not just that this happened, but that we can know when this happened. Luke was a doctor, a man of science, a Gentile who wrote his history having thoroughly investigated his story. It was important to him to know whether this happened or not. The Christmas story is not a fantasy and neither is it some ethereal moral principle. This is a verifiable historical reality, staking a claim for the attention of the human race on the person of Jesus of Nazareth, the claim that God has entered history initiating relationship with us in a way that we can observe, question, scrutinise. And make a decision for ourselves. Sign number one is prophecy in history. But we're not just given one sign, we're given multiple signs. The second sign we heard in the readings was the sign to the shepherds. They were told that they would find the baby in a manger. Now, um, for those of us who've grown up in Britain, we'll be very, very used to seeing this in various forms it, through nativity plays. About four years ago, uh, my son was cast as Joseph, and then the following year, he was cast as a pig. And I had to um, swallow my disappointments and question whether I should write to the school and point out that it's unlikely that in a Jewish home there would have been a pig present. (laughs) we're We're used to the story of the Nativity. It's so familiar to us that perhaps we don't grasp the strangeness of this sign. The shepherds were working men at work, not individuals given to flights of fancy. They were at work when this happened, outside in the cold. They were perhaps not the type of people to regularly see angels, and they were certainly not in an emotive state of mind. And so when the angels appeared to the shepherds, they would have needed evidence that this was not some weird hallucination. And they were clearly told, this will be a sign to you. In other words, your questions, your doubts are okay. We recognise that this is strange, seeing angels in the sky. And the evidence that a saviour has in fact been born is that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. A baby will be found Lying in an animal food trough. The location is a sign. We're familiar with the manger, but that actually was quite strange to find a baby in an animal food trough. The location is a sign, but the very location also carries significance. You see, the Christmas story tells us of a God who enters this suffering, dark world. And this is powerfully demonstrated in Jesus' birthplace, a stable, a place where animals were kept in the home, and where his, his first bed was, a manger, the animal feeding trough. My um, twin boys were born in a London NHS hospital, not known at that time for its sparkling cleanliness, but it was perfectly good. This baby was to be born into the dirt of animal life in a stable. God enters our real world. Jesus doesn't remain distant from the dirt or the pain or the questions of our human existence. He enters this broken world that you and I inhabit and is born not in a palace but in a stable. And perhaps the implied dirtiness of that stable where animals were feeding and and, and living parallels the dirt in our lives, the scars we bear, the secret fears that, that we carry, the things that we hope no one would ever find out about us. It is into this world, the world that you and I know and experience, that God with us is born, embracing us in our reality. As if to underscore this, the prophet Isaiah wrote these famous words. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. People are walking in darkness. In your work here, um, I'm sure many of you will identify with that. A sense, even in our nation, that people are struggling with all kinds of darkness. Perhaps moral darkness, or the breakdown of, of relationships, the breakdown of trust between generations. The prophet Isaiah says, people are walking in darkness. But into that darkness that you and I experience, light has come. Light has come. John's Gospel, and we heard the reading, says this. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. At Christmas, we celebrate and we affirm both The the truth of our reality of, of darkness, but we're not left there, but that light has come into this world in Jesus. Now, light does a number of things. Light opens our eyes. We see things clearly in the light. Light reminds us that we're not forgotten. Think about the relief you feel when you're stumbling in a dark room and you don't know where you're going or you're disorientated and someone switches on the light and suddenly the direction is clear you realise you're no longer alone. The light can be like a, a rescue light, a searchlight, and when we see it, we recognise that deliverance has come. A number of years ago, I was stuck in a sandstorm in no man's land between Turkmenistan and Afghanistan. I'd been part of a small um, team of theologians. Um, before September the 11th, going to interview the Taliban in their headquarters about their theology. And now we were trying to come home using the same route that we had gone through, but the Turkmen guards wouldn't let us back into the country. They wanted a bribe from us, but we had no money. And into that context, in no man's land, we were stuck there for hours, and suddenly a sandstorm just appeared, as it can In the desert. I don't know how many of you have experienced a sandstorm, but it's horrible. It it hurts your face, the sand just blasts at you. And even in the middle of the afternoon, it's strangely, frighteningly dark. As you raise your hand before your face, you can't see it. I will never forget, after hours in that storm, the sight of two headlights shining through the darkness. A Red Cross truck came through that border and rescued us and later told us they only came through that route once every three months. A searchlight or a rescue light when you're lost, when you're alone, means someone cared enough to come for you. Jesus claims that he is the light shining in the darkness. People are walking in darkness. In this room, every single one of us knows that. But do you also know the truth of the Christmas story, that into our darkness the light has come? That light is a child born in history, as Isaiah said. A child is born with authority, the government is on his shoulders. In this place of government, what a healthy and helpful reminder that there is an authority above each of us. This child would be the wonderful counsellor, the comforter who could be with us. He would also be mighty God, powerful enough to do something about our situation. He would be called everlasting father. In other words, he's eternal. Even though he's born in history, he has no beginning and no end. And Isaiah says that he is the prince of peace, bringing peace into this world. The second sign is that they will find this child in the manger. And they did, in our dark and broken world. The third sign is the sign to the wise men, very briefly. And that's a star. The, the um, head of the Human Genome Project, Dr Francis Collins, perhaps one of the wise men of our times, helped map out human DNA. One of the most respected scientists in the world, and he wrote that for him it was his detailed grasp of the universe that was a sign of God being there. He wrote this, when you look from the perspective of the scientists at the universe, it looks as if it knew we were coming. He says there are 15 constants, the gravitational constant, various constants of the strong and the weak nuclear force that have precise values, if any one of these were off by even one part in a million million, the universe would not actually have come to the point where we see it. Matter would have not been able to coalesce and there would have been no galaxies, stars, plants or people. For Francis Collins, his study of science and DNA in particular is a sign that God is real. In the Christmas story, the wise men were stargazers. Men of science and philosophy, and they saw something in the sky that made them get up and respond. They travelled from the east to investigate, and the particular star or comet led them to Bethlehem. They followed that star, and when they saw the child, they did something utterly extraordinary for their culture, as for ours. They knelt and worshipped a child. The signs led them to believe that this was, in fact, God come to earth. So finally, in conclusion, in the Christmas story, the signs lead us to Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. Signs in history and prophecy, the sign in the manger, the sign of the stars. And we see that in response, Jesus' mother worships him. This is no ordinary baby. Working men out in the fields, shepherds, worship him. Philosophers and cosmologists, when they see him, worship him. And so the question comes to us as we sit here today, will we In the readings, we're given this appropriate response to Emmanuel, God with us. This is not for naive religious types, liable for wool being pulled over their eyes. Men of learning and men of the world of work, a woman like Mary, find themselves worshipping Jesus. They've seen the evidence. And based on it, they make that decision. And all around the world in this Advent season, others realise and decide too that they want to worship him. People walking in darkness need light. And the claim of the Christmas story is that that light has come into this world in Christ. Joseph is told, give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. In other words, he'd be able to deal with the darkness of the human heart. Each of us desperately needs that. That's what Christmas is about. Receiving that forgiveness from him and giving him that worship that he is due. Why don't we bow our heads for a moment and I'm just going to say the words of the carol that we sung. Um, to close as a prayer O holy child of Bethlehem descend to us we pray cast out our sin and enter in be born in us today Amen. Amen
6: thank you very much for coming to our carol service this lunchtime. Uh, my name is James Lee and I work with the Christians in Parliament All Party Group. Uh, if you're a pass holder and would like to reflect further on the message of Christmas and the wider claims of the Christian faith, there's a, a blue card uh, on your chairs with details of a weekly course called Life Explored uh, that begins in January and we'd be delighted for anyone in Parliament to uh, join us for that. Uh, There are also uh, weekly Bible study groups that run at various times for members and staff and chapel services in here on Tuesday and Wednesday lunchtimes when Parliament is sitting. As always, we'd uh, we'd love to get your feedback on the service, so do complete uh, the feedback form on your chairs and either leave it on your seat uh, or post it back to us. Uh, But just to say, on behalf of Christians in Parliament, we wish you a very happy Christmas. Uh, Let's pray together before we sing our final carol. Now, may the wisdom of the wonderful counsellor guide us, the strength of the mighty God defend us, the love of the everlasting Father enfold us, and the peace of the Prince of Peace be upon us. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be with us this day and always. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing our final carol.